Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Now the only thing new, I think, uh, I'm I'm reading a biography of Robin Williams by a, I think his name is David David Itzkoff, I think is the author. And, you know, it's a good book. It's long as fuck. I'm enjoying it, and it's it's very thorough. And I might even I don't know, like. I guess a biography can't be too thorough. Like you want, you want to learn about this human and you want yeah. to know about it, but it, yeah. it almost like he, he made so much work, obviously yeah. he produced so much work and, and so many films and so, and so on. So there's like, even like plenty of films I never seen or even heard of, honestly, Sure. that we like, uh, yeah, this guy really manages to dive into the minutia of so many of them again it's interesting but at the same time i'm like oh fuck man i've never heard of this movie yeah (laughs) and this is like a and you know taking me 30 minutes to read this chapter about this movie i have no idea what it is yeah (laughs) but i mean it's a good it's a good biography i just finished a chapter about hook and aladdin so now now we're now we're in it (laughs) yeah yeah now it's now we're the snowball has started to come down the mountain. We're picking up steam. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Well, well welcome everybody we to yeah, the Feeny we... <laughs> In case you uh, were wondering what you were listening to, this is the Feeny Call. We're talking about Boy Meets World. Season 4, Episode 6, Janitor Dad. Pretty straight. A garbage name. A yeah, garbage pretty name. Straightforward. <laughs> they're not they're not covering anything up at this point. You know, like I, I've been very I this show has had a lot of clever titles where they've done a lot of a lot of play on books mm-hmm. or songs or movies. Uh and this is not one of them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it is, it's a terrible one. <laughs> you know? Maybe um, after Shallow Boy, they were like, We need two word titles. Shallow Boy, perfect. <laughs> Janitor Dad, great, another good one. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good decision, but it doesn't do it. It's kind of funny because this episode, obviously, in the arc of Sean's character, sticks out to me. But when, upon rewatch, I was like, oh, "It's just okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not in love with this episode like I thought I would be." Uh huh. I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. loving, or like, I just love this arc for Sean, and you know his realization. That his dad is, you know, putting in the effort and he wants to create a good home for Verna and himself. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, that just it just wasn't as, uh, as, as exciting as I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. So it's it's well, well, who's on the I'm on the recap, I think. Are you? I believe so. Yes, because I did so good last you week. You did a good one last week. Yeah. <gasps> so it's my turn. Wow, that's not something I get to say that often. <laughs> All right, go for okay. it. And uh, so Chet and Verna are, are living the family life, and Chet needs to get a job, and so he ends up getting a job as a janitor at school, and Sean's embarrassed, and then there's this dick around the school who's just really being an asshole about it, and Sean's like, Mr. Feeney, will you fire my dad? And Mr. Jimmy's like, oh, well, if it's in the way of your education, I suppose. And then John's like, wait, maybe, I don't know, mom, are you okay with this? And mom's like, I'm so proud of him. And Sean's like, wait, but don't, don't fire my dad. And then he mops up some milk that he spills. Meanwhile, Eric and Alan hire some people at the store, and it's crazy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does get pretty crazy, that's for sure. He, like, yeah. saddles him up with uh, <laughs> $700 worth of hiking gear, which I don't know the, you know, ex- the rate 
at which that would be today, but it'd be very expensive. It's a lot of money for, but you know what? Big ups to the casting on this episode for the generic extra lamos who come into yes. the store applying That's for the job. That was very my, funny. <laughs> yes, one of my fun facts, or I should say one of my fun facts for the day is obviously this is the second time we see Willie Garson. He was mm-hmm. Leonard Spinelli in season He was Leonard, one. right? Yep. And now his name, I guess, is Mervin. It was labeled as Mervin, and I was like, okay, sure, whatever. He doesn't actually say his name at all in this episode. But I find it very interesting because they could have actually made that like a bit where Leonard, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I need a job, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, get out. Like, of course, mm-hmm. we're not going to hire you. You could take care of the store. So they could have made it a bit. They could have made it something. I'm kind of sad that they didn't. They really dropped the ball. Yeah, it was it was funny, but it could have been funnier if they would have mm-hmm. kept it as Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a good bit for sure. Well, um, and it would have even been funnier because he comes back for one more and he's a, a minister. And it would have been even funnier if he had been like, if it was oh, still Leonard. Everything <laughs> that would have been so good. That would have been really, really good bets for sure. Anyway, um, dropped well, ball, missed opportunity, yeah. uh, whatever. Well, Megan, what um, what did you learn in this episode? Uh, well, I wrote down a couple things. It's very, I it's very generic because I was like, I I, I want to say like eight things, but I guess at the core of this episode and a lesson that everyone kind of learns is that the job you have only carries as much shame as you give it. I wanted to say something about like Sean learning. I don't know. Yeah, Sean learning in the value of like hard work, but that's not really they I think the biggest thing that Sean learns is just he is the one creating the problem in his head because he has brought all this shame down upon the janitorial or custodial position. Whereas his mom is so proud and Chet's happy to have a job and he's happy to be around his son. And so there's no shame in that. There should not be any shame. And Sean is the only one putting shame on that. And because Sean is putting shame on that, so is whatever, what's his nuts, bully, and Corey and Topanga. <laughs> what's his nuts, bully? I don't know his name. Asshole I didn't take the time to learn one. his name. Yeah. Yeah. The first non-racer bully that we've Right. Who they <laughs> truly styled up to look like the biggest asshole they could find from mm-hmm. an MTV music video or truly. something. <laughs> yeah. I think the the big takeaway, I guess, has a lot to do with like it's like a it's a pride story, right? And one that like I don't know. I don't know. It's hard hard to maybe synthesize it into like a platitude. But this idea it's like at the end where where Sean cleans up and Chet says, You don't have to do that and he says, I know, and I know you don't have to either. Mm-hmm. And that again, it's always this responsibility story with Chet, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like owning up to some responsibilities and then also like taking pride and but then also like Sean learns a lot about respect as well. Yeah. Job shaming stories to be had here. Which in an interesting turn, you know, this show loves to to do some job shaming. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um 
And it obvious in this episode tries to like show you that that's wrong, even though the show has certainly job shamed plenty. What did I learn? I learned that you um <laughs> see it's kind of tricky and it's tricky not to generalize uh, yeah because i want to be specific and mm-hmm. you know if i'm trying to think about this idea of like pride in work and a matter of like you know i i'm in not a similar position because i'm not a father with mm-hmm. a with a child i need to support and and uh, and such but you know um facing unemployment and job shifts and things like that i've had to pivot mm-hmm. and and you know i don't have a whole lot of savings and have had to like look in you know and have started obviously now i'm nannying and while it's not what i would love to be doing i am trying to take a lot of of pride in that and so sure. this episode tries to show a balance of that like like it or not you need some sort of income because of the way our, you know, our capitalist structure is structured mm-hmm. and, and that there is value in pride. There's well, okay. I'm, I'm going to ignore pride. There's value to be found. <laughs> yes. In many, many positions, if you're willing to look for it. And and what I think that really comes down to is when Chet like sits down in the armchair and he's like, there's a big benefits package, you know? And Sean's like, what benefits? And he's like, well, I haven't been around my son in a year. And now I get to see him every day. And how like that is more important to Chet than anything else. Mm-hmm. With regards to this job, it's the fact that like, you know, like I have a consistent, respectable income and I get to see my son every single day. Amazing. And maybe I think that's really the thing about it. It's like finding, finding that thing in the job that like really does it for you. Yeah. And that's not to say that like you'll be able to do that in every job. Every job's not going to have that thing. Um, but if you can find that thing, then that will really like make it that much more worthwhile. Sure. It's interesting, you know, I was talking about this Robin Williams book. This is strangely apparent now. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. in that film, obviously a big piece of it, right, is like the whole plot is that he um, takes on this role as the the caregiver and and house t- uh, caretaker yeah. I guess, or whatever, so as to be around his kids yeah. in the middle of this divorce, right? And I think it's you know it's just an interesting similarity in that it's a matter of like balancing employment and parenthood can be a crazy challenge. Mm-hmm. And while not being a parent, I totally understand the idea of like, if I can have a job that lets me like see my more of my kids, then great, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's really a big thing here is like finding that thing about the job that like brings you through to it. And then I I imagine this episode would hit differently if I had a child. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of put it up against the episode that we did a couple weeks ago where Alan's struggling and we were like, you need to find, I don't want to say value in your work, but you need to, well, yeah, you kind of, I forget what the lesson is. I don't have my notebook. I wish I kind of did, but we kind of agreed that like you should take pride and value in the work that you do and that will create more fulfillment for you. I think it's kind of what we settled on or something that we Mm -hmm. discussed. And so I think that's, 
this this that Chet is doing is he's creating value. And while he doesn't really care too much about the job itself, he's making it important and he's making it special because he gets to see Sean, especially since he's been gone for a year. Like that's really important to him. And it sucks because I I see Chet trying in this episode and I'm like, he's doing for just having roamed around the country and thinking that Sean's best interest is to not be with him and everything. He's grown leaps and bounds from where we were a couple episodes ago, but then it seems to just like fall off again. And I'm like, you had this like upward climb of like, I'm going to be a good dad and I'm doing all these things. And it's so sweet that he is putting Sean is making Sean kind of the value of his work or seeing Sean as the value of his work. And then all of a sudden we, he just falls off again. Mm-hmm, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think something to, to to learn here has a lot to do with like Sean learns that his parents are people mm-hmm. in this episode, I think. And he, he learns that they, you know, how, how things feel to them is, is important too. I struggled with that speech from Feeney at the end. When he yeah. tells Sean that, you know, you're the student. It's about you. Yeah. Be about you. I don't know. I struggled with that a little bit. I agree. Because I think what Sean learns here is that it's not about him. Yeah. Like, it, it is a little about him, but it's also about his dad and his mom and their, like, you know? So, I, I don't know. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why Feeney, like, was putting it that way in that I don't feel like it is. What I kind of got from that is not necessarily the the the... Well, I kind of got, I could take it two ways. The first way is it's, it's all about you because your parents are trying so hard to create this like normal home environment for you. And that's Mm -hmm. always going to be their end game. But then I think also maybe he was talking about the shame that was being put that he felt Feeney's like, that's not about anything other than, so kind of like what I was saying, Sean was giving a, he was giving all of the shame or he was putting mm-hmm. all of the shame onto this position. And Feeney's like, that's not about your parents. That's about you. You have your own issues mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. shame mm-hmm. that are your own. And it's going to be about that is going to be about you. Like you're the child you're dealing with peer pressure. You're dealing with like, you don't have to work. You don't have a job yet. So mm-hmm. it's, it, this is about you. Those are the yeah. two things that I feel like he kind of meant, but it was it was worded in a way where I was like, I really have to dig for something here because no, I, think, I, yeah, I don't like the way he worded sense, it. Though. Yeah, but what you said makes a lot of sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Looking at it as like Sean is creating his own problem in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Exacerbated. <laughs> what by, else is new? <laughs> sure, what else? <laughs> a problem that is exacerbated by, by Teen Wolf over here, but... Um, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I just took a big gulp of my coffee and I almost spit it all over the <laughs> <laughs> Exacerbated by Teen Wolf over here. See, that needs to go on a t-shirt. <laughs> Which I can't wait to, to, to dive in and, and shit all over this punk-ass motherfucker. Oh my um, yeah. yeah. When we... Oh, man. I was just... I, uh, what, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. What is wrong with this motherfucker? This, like, just run-of-the-mill 2000 bully <laughs> over here with, like, 
Oh, uh, what the, his opening, his opening shtick, where he's like, "Oh, our dads have a lot in common. My dad's a doctor, and yours is a janitor." Oh wait, nope. I like, don't. What the fuck? I know. I I can't tell if he's really like if the character himself, if if the actor is trying to play him in a way that he's just so laid back that like it's not it, he's not even masking anything under humor. He's just being a dick, or if the actor is just bad. If it if that was supposed to be like kind of funny and quippy and the delivery was just so poor because it's it it seems kind of like a mixture of the two. Maybe it was supposed to be something and the actor just dropped the ball, and maybe also the actor is trying to just play it so cool because we've had like we've had Griff who was like kind of the you know fast talking con man, and then we have um Oh my God. Oh, Harley. And then we have Harley who's, you know, like a fifties greaser. So we haven't really had a bully who's sounds kind of weird, but like normal and like down to earth mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe he's trying to bring that to this, but it just comes off as like lazy. It comes off to me as like a lazy line reading and just kind of a la lazy bullying. He, everything he did was slow and, yeah, because he's know. consistently stealing pills from his parents' medicine <laughs> in his multi-million-dollar home. All right, that's why he's so lethargic. Because this son of a bitch has never received a hug from his doctor father, so he continues to steal pills out of his mom's medicine cabinet to feel something. Oh. <laughs> Read him. Read him. <laughs> I hate this Every time he opened his mouth, I wanted to punch him in the face. And I'm pissed off that Sean doesn't punch him in the face and instead does some weird grappling move that was clearly only thing allowed by ABC in this moment. Yep. Um, <laughs> because he should have punched, like, he's, like, ready to fight him. And I'm like, fucking do it. And then he just, like, kind of, like, jumps and tries to put him in a headlock or something. And I'm like, nope, punch him in the face. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never been in a fight, but maybe Sean was just trying to, like, tackle him to the ground and get on top of him start punching no, him. No, I was it, like, why would because you start every, with the punch? Every fight in this show is a is a grappling wrestling yes. thing. And it's entirely a like a producer, like we're not gonna put real violence on the, the show. Oh no. You I'm can't sorry. actually throw a punch. You can just like grab each other. Yeah. Because um, like I don't I, I don't I can't think of an instance in this whole show where like someone actually gets punched, you know. Other than Eric at the uh, end of this episode. <laughs> But that's oh well, yeah, for, okay. But for, for last, I mean, like yeah, really punched, last. yeah. Oh yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that ever happens. Uh, I don't even, know. If that I, ever I don't know. There's the boxing. Show. There's the episode where where Corey and and Joey are like wrestling or whatever, and again, it's mm. wrestling. Like no one, no one mm -hmm. punched. So yeah, they they won't they won't throw a punch, which pisses me off because I want to see this motherfucker get punched right in the face so bad. Yes. Oh man, which what, just, like, what a me... dick. <laughs> well, I'm kind of then I'm kind of thinking like. Oh, maybe he is a good actor because he's doing his job and he's getting that reaction from us where we're sitting back and we're just like, we hate you. You're the worst. So I'm like, is oh, he I, actually yeah. a good I don't actor? I have an issue. I had no issue with his acting. You were, well, you were, I, I didn't want to, I don't know. His acting in no way bothered me. Like he did the thing in my opinion. Um, I'm just like, what a fucking dick, man. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like what a, what an asshole out here. That I just wanted to punch in the face a couple of times. <laughs> well, I mean, Oof. I think I definitely liked the end when he just kind of like eventually backed off because 
you can, I mean, if you take, if Sean takes back that power and he's like, you're not going to make me feel shame at all about this because there is no shame to feel surrounding this. I feel like that's, that was the ultimate, that was the final nail in the coffin. He can't, yeah, he can't touch I mean, Sean anymore. So Sean ends it the right way. Yeah. But I wish he would have punched him in the face. Yes. <laughs> or, like picked up the mop and like swung it and smacked it with it and then gone Ooh, back. I don't know. Good. You know, Plus, I, uh, I just want to see this guy get hit. All right. Yeah. Talk shit, so. get hit. I just wanted to see it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. The old adage. And of um, course, we bring we bring Turner back in this episode to break up a fight because apparently that's all he's allowed to do anymore. Right? Is, is run in, run in, aggressively go, hey, 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 and break up a fight. Yep. I think um, it's. I mean, it's always seen from him. Can't Feeny can't break up a fight. I mean, he could, but he can't really get in the middle. He'd like he might break a hip or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want him to get hurt. <laughs> I, 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 I just think it's interesting. He's the only teacher who can really, unless we brought in Eli, but Eli's classroom is a completely different set that I'm sure they didn't want to fly in. <laughs> okay, but like, am I crazy? It's season four. This is episode, what, six? What are we on? Six, yeah. And it feels like we have seen Turner for a, like two and a half minutes mm-hmm. at most. And, and I can't stop thinking about how this season, like the second to last episode is is such a like pivotal Turner point Turner point. Though I guess even in that episode, he is not so prominently featured. Um, no, <laughs> they're really trying to largely, largely comatose. They really are. I want, I, yeah. I wonder Weird. why. I don't know. Uh, you know, he was up Anthony Tyler Quinn. He has to get on the show. Anthony I got know, on the show. Such a such a big point for so long, and just like slowly phases out of this one. The bathroom is at slash Feeney's office. The, is now the, the bathroom slash Feeney's office slash. But but Feeney comes and goes from it too. He does. That's I, <laughs> I don't I I just I don't. Feeney comes out anymore. of that. It's after it's after Feeney and Sean have their little meeting, and then Corey's doing his dumb paper towel bit, which is the yeah. stupidest. It and Feeney walks out of what we see as the custodian's office as if yeah. it is the principal's office. And Sean's like, I've made up my mind. And Feeney's like, oh, in only five minutes or whatever. And like so yeah. presenting us with the idea that he is leaving his own office from where they just were. Whew. Uh, that, that, I mean, truly, that door is just really whatever anyone needs it to be. It is the real room of requirement in the show. It just didn't like it didn't need to be a custodian's office in this it episode. Didn't. It really like didn't. Chet could have no just reason. come in from off camera with the thing. Like he did. <laughs> didn't even, need to be coming out of this closet. <laughs> yeah, or even like back up those stairs, tucked away. Right. There's any number of different there. directions he could have been coming from. I didn't yeah. need to see him walk in this door when you've so clearly established it to be in this episode something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Like, if you want to change it from episode to episode, fine. But you can use it as two things in the same episode. He could have even... It still could have been Feeney's office. And he just could have been coming out of Feeney's office. Maybe he just mopped Feeney's office. Like, or just all of those, you know... Maybe he just mopped mm-hmm. all those things. And now he's, you know, coming out and doing the hallway. But it just... It did not need in any way, shape, or form to be the custodian office. It did but not. 
anyway. I did have a note about Sean pulling out the milk at the end, and I would not have drank that milk. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, ew, backpack milk. That's a bad <laughs> idea. It's, I'm sure he walked to school or took the bus. He was there early, so he probably didn't even catch the bus unless he took like a city bus. Mm-hmm. And so this is probably like, I don't know, 10, 15 minute commute, most likely. And then mm-hmm. he had this whole conversation with Feeney. So this milk has been sitting in a warm backpack for like 20 minutes. And then Corey's just like, sure, I'll drink the milk. And I'm like, that's disgusting. I would never. Absolutely not. I mean, it's also, I, I would not drink the milk. No. It is also just like ludicrous what happens. I and know. Sean has planned this whole thing out to like shove it in the boy's face. Like, I'll show him. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, first, Corey has to say yes to drink the milk. Then, yeah. I ha- then it has to spill over the floor. To which Chet's spidey janitor senses will react and he'll <laughs> come out of nowhere. And also, <laughs> discount Billy Loomer is going to be around the corner to, <laughs> to go ahead and, and shit on it. So that I can take the mop out of my dad's hands and say, hey, I'm okay with it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why didn't he just spill the milk? I feel like that. Why didn't he just spill the fucking bigger- milk? statement than like giving it to Corey and having Corey and like him I feel like if he had just opened it and like poured it out on the ground and then like with us looking this guy dead in the face opening the milk (laughs) pouring it on the ground and then like his dad coming up and being like nope I got it and he's like not breaking eye contact with this guy that would be way more powerful and combative than just tipping over the milk and making Corey drop it Sure. And making Corey look like a weenie in the process. It reminds me of like when people wanted to like boycott Nike shoes for Nick, <laughs> and they like bought yeah. Nikes so and they could. And then they burned them. it, and it's like, and it's like you, y'all still bought them. Own money. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. You're 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 playing yourself at this point, right? Or like when people go and buy Starbucks cups and then like throw away the holiday cups in in a video and angst or whatever, you know? And yeah. they're like, "How dare you?" And they're like, "But it's like y'all still bought the product. Like they yep. don't give a fuck what you do with it afterwards." Yeah, no, who cares? <laughs> okay, like you're not you're not making a statement here. You have you have in fact done the thing they wanted you to do. <laughs> I mean, they are making a statement, but the statement is just that they are an idiot. Is the statement <laughs> that yeah, the, the statement, statement. Is that I, I will pay exuberant uh, exorbitant sums for my idea of protest, which is not like exactly the same as what happens here, but the fact that Sean's like, let me create a mess so that I can clean it up. I don't know. I don't know. It, it gave me those same kind of vibes a little bit. Like, there's no money <laughs> exchanged here, but it had the idea of like, oh, I'll show them, and then like fucked it up <laughs> uh, yeah he has to well it was the fact that like it was the fact that sean created the mess if the mess had been created in some other way and then chet showed up and sean was like i got it dad like if that was how it had gone or if it had been an accident and he was like i got a dad even mm-hmm. but it's the fact that he like deliberately deliberately is like let me make a mess so that i can make my point i'm just same vibes <laughs> i'm just still obsessed with the fact that you were like spidey janitor senses because i don't even <laughs> think about that and it's so true Chet shows up. No, everyone it's the whole episode too because like when cory makes his weird dumb paper towel mess yeah, Chet just shows up. like he he is on he's the best custodial worker there is because he is fucking on it all right right yeah he hesitate he's always where they need him and you know right. what let me do that chet is good at this job. He really is. 
Okay. He, he is efficient and like he brings in the TV cart and everything to Turner's class without being disruptive, gets it set up, makes his way out, gives Sean a quick little, and then like runs on very effective, very efficient, a less serious version of Chet, you know, a a version of Chet from three episodes ago would Mm -hmm. have rolled card in here and like distracted the whole class and told some yes. bullshit story and made a big show about it but like he is very much so doing his job and doing it well yeah doing it without complaint like he is he's doing the damn thing and he's good at it yeah you're right that's a great point I, like i said i feel like they have chet going on this uphill and then all of a sudden he just comes crashing down and I don't even know why or what. Well, I guess we'll figure it out. I don't really remember exactly what happens. I don't even know if anything happens. Maybe it's when Verna leaves again. I don't really know. But all of a sudden, everything comes crashing down for Chet again. And it sucks because we see him on this, you know, he's going uphill right now. Everything's yeah, coming up a, roses. This is a job. This job's got a pension at the end of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why Chet doesn't just keep this fucking job. Yeah, he should. Maybe it's when um, he moves out and Verna's gone and he's like, well, I don't need a job anymore. It's just me. I, I mean, that's the only, I guess that's really the only explanation because, yeah, he seems to be doing so much better, but whatever. But I do want to talk about the B-plot because as much as I'm like, okay, it's obvious that they brought in Lonnie and she's supposed to be like this, whatever, Eric's supposed to fall in love with her because she's like this cute little thing that comes in and has this little accent and she's just like this little mountain girl. But I'm, I kind of love her. <laughs> I kind of love her. She's such I, I, I do. I've always enjoyed Lonnie. I know that like they are queerly aggressively sexualizing her for jokes from eric and the enjoyment of male viewers but mm-hmm. like she also is like she's i don't know she's a talented actress and like a, a joy and funny human to watch yes she's just such like i feel like she as a person is probably just such a sweetheart and i love the fact that at the end eric's trying to like kind of get to know her and then she starts punching him and i'm just like get him get him I love her. <laughs> she just doesn't take shit from anybody it's great that's why mm-hmm. I, that's why I like her is just because it's almost like she she knows that she is like this powerful, beautiful, strong woman and she will not take shit from anybody. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I like about her so much. Yeah, I enjoy Lonnie. I enjoy all the Lonnie episodes we get mm-hmm. uh, coming coming up. Oh, duck. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. I think the fa- my favorite thing about Ducky as far as like when we hear him he mm-hmm. always sounds like he's singing something. It's it doesn't sound like <laughs> it doesn't sound like a bark or like a wolf or anything like that. He's always like <laughs> I don't I don't understand the bit with Amy in the beginning of this episode in the B plot and she's like just I, I get I don't know. I do and I don't understand it. Like it doesn't make sense to me that like Amy encouraged them to buy the store and now like she's Yeah, discouraging subverting it. <laughs> I think most likely she just didn't understand when they bought the store what kind of clientele that they would get, and they would get sure. people of all of all uh, what experience levels as far as climbing and hunting and fishing and camping and all of this. And mm-hmm. so, anytime anyone looks at, comes in who doesn't look like they're up for the task of climbing a whole mountain, she's like, "Get out, go sit at home in a hot bath, and listen to." some kenny g just don't do this don't die sure you know what i also need to comment on though what? is these rock climbing shoes that they keep presenting to us 
yeah. are they're not they, they are unlike any sort of rock climbing shoe I've ever seen in my life. I, I've been yeah. rock climbing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those look I, I don't know what those are. These like big ass boots with this like Giant spike spikes. attachment to yeah. it. I don't know. They they look like uh, snowshoes or something to me. Like rock climbing shoes, at least for all the rock climbing I've done, which I, in fairness, I've never been like outdoor rock climbing. I've only been to like climbing centers, are very snug, pointy toe, small shoes such that you can like hook your toe in, like you're supposed to curl mm-hmm. your toes up a little bit. There's no gigantic hooks on them. They're just. <laughs> They're not big know. and heavy and clunky. Yeah, no, I, like I didn't understand what I was weightless. looking at. I was like, I don't, I have never been like outdoor rock climbing. I've got friends that have, and I've never seen this sort of contraption. Mm-hmm. And maybe technology just hadn't reached. This is like 1998. What are you talking about? It is 96. Thank you very much. But also, I also loved, just a side note, I loved that there were Halloween decorations up. And Oh, yeah, this is a Halloween episode. (laughs) These serendipitous moments just keep happening where we land on an episode that's very close to where we are in our calendar year. And it just makes my heart happy. It's like the the little thing. I did notice that. This is the Halloween episode in terms of the decor in the back. I don't yes. like. Did you notice that John Adams bust has a pig mask has on? A pig mask. I hated that. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. I hated I, that. All I, the other Halloween decor I thought was fine and cute, but that John yes. Adams bust had a pig mask on. I was like, oh no, that looks like <laughs> that's fucking scary. A it's nightmare. Some Lord of the yeah. Fly shit. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely a nightmare, and I can't believe that Feeney would allow that. Like that's probably mm-hmm. an expensive bust. Kids should not be touching it. No one should be touching it. it it's in a glass <laughs> case for a reason. I did. I mean, but again, I, I, I was laughing at myself the whole time. I was like, this is the this is technically a Halloween episode. You know, like, yeah. say what you want about it. This is technically a Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the decorations count. It's it's Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So add this to your list of Halloween episodes to watch <laughs> this year, friends. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Holy shit. Speaking of Halloween episodes of things, this is a bit of a derail. So we can save it. to. I'll I'll wait. I'll make sure we wrap the episode. Like, wrap what we need to talk about, talk about. And then I've got this thing to include for anybody that wants to stick around or if you want to include it because it was wild. But I don't want to put it in. I'll I'll wait. If it's Uncanny Annie, we've already done it. It is not about (laughs) Uncanny Annie. It is Disney related and 90s related. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so it, it's more closely related than anything else I usually diverge about. I think the only thing we have left is M- MVPs. I almost said MP3s. And I <laughs> Who's your MP3, guess Megan? I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. My uh, MVP is Feeny. I mean, I, I feel like you could make a case for somebody else, but pretty much Feeny. I almost said Verna because Verna is the one who actually like looks at Sean and is like, I am so proud of him. I could blah, blah, blah. Feeney is like kind of beating around the bush at first and he's trying to get Sean to come to his own conclusion, which is ultimately why I gave it to him because he lets Sean do the thinking and growing and all of that, as opposed to just kind of giving him the message straightforward. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that Feeney does a good job of almost doing some reverse psychology into getting Sean to understand that this is not this is it's it is about him and that he's making this bigger than it needs to be and he's making 
he is why he is embarrassed. It, it has nothing to do with his mm-hmm. dad or anything or even the job. It's just he is the reason that he's embarrassed. And he really helps Sean discover that on his own. And then Sean is that message, I think, sinks into Sean a little deeper because of how Feeney presented it. Yeah, I'm with you. I also uh, I agree that it is Feeney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For all those reasons. Well, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those MP3s. So easy. MP3s. I can't. I can't. My brain is clearly. My coffee has not kicked in yet. I just finished sure. it. So let me tell you about this insane thing I watched last night that was shown to me by my friend Logan. Now we were we were talking about like Halloween music from mm-hmm. when we were kids. I had this cassette tape that I loved to play that was had like Monster Mash and One Eye One Horn Flying Purple People Eater. Yeah. And oh, yeah. you know, and the then classics. like some spooky right, all your classics and some spooky sounds and stuff. And Logan was like, Did you have the Disneyland Halloween sing along? And I was like, <gasps> What are you talking about? And sure enough, they owned this VHS tape that we were you're able to find this on YouTube. Okay. We watched the entire thing. It's 30 minutes, and it is a Halloween sing-along like with some semblance of a story that takes place at Disneyland in the Haunted (gasps) Mansion where you follow like they're throwing a big like Halloween party and you follow these three kids who are like singing songs to decorate and to find costumes and about Halloween stuff and like Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Daisy and Adonal are all there in their costumes and whatever. And this was from like 1997 or 1998. And man, oh man, it was a wild time. I was like open mouth gaping at this <laughs> for 30 minutes. I used to uh, love Disney sing-alongs. I'm, I'm excited to dive back in for a spooky Halloween one. Disney sing-along songs haunting party at Disneyland. And it's the whole thing's on YouTube. It's 30 minutes long. The thing that gets even crazier is one of the three main kids where credits start rolling and Logan Paz was like, no, roll the credits. I need to see if I know any of these names, if anyone's actually gone on to something here. And yeah. sure enough, one of the guy, one of the, like one of the main three kids yep. was um, Tyler Hoechlin. Uh, wow. One of, the, one of the main kids in that. And he is now, you know, Superman for the CW's superhero stuff. Dude, it's so fucking wild. Oh my <laughs> God. I couldn't, like, I just couldn't close my mouth the whole time. I was like, this is real. <laughs> this is really happening right now. This is Kids really, really watch this. Oh, it is man. And I, listen, I was like, I get it. If I owned this VHS when I was a child, I would have put this thing in, watched it, rewind, start over yep. all the time, all oh, year long. Yeah. I would have learned all the dances, sang along to everything. Like, I, it would have been nonstop. Well, should all we wrap right. this one up? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. Check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're there. And we love to hear from you. More importantly, Megan loves to hear from you because she <laughs> monitors those channels uh, and lets me know when someone says something uh, in a great kind way. <laughs> Send us all the emails, too. We love getting emails and corresponding with you guys and just hearing what you guys think. And also... As you can hear, every so often, Hillary leaves us voicemails. You can also leave us voicemails that will be on the show or could be on the show. We we love them. All right, well, thanks for listening, y'all. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, enjoy the, the spooky season. Do some spooky stuff. And as always, class dismissed. <laughs>